Greetings, Bethany. It is a privilege to be with you uh, wherever you're worshiping with us today. Before I start into the message, I just want to say a thank you again to Prentice, my friend Dom, who shared about what's going on in West Seattle. And just take a moment that I tell you a bit of my story. I'm the location pastor, Bethany North, and the executive lead pastor, but perhaps the work I'm most proud of, I'm also one of the co-leaders working with a lot of really gifted people in our ministry here at Bethany called the Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation. And we just want to say a word uh, that the city is pretty divided, our nation is hurting, and uh, we know that there is much work to do for the church to be the light of the world to dismantle racism. We know that, and we're determined to work hard towards that end. And so I want to pray. I've got teaching today on Acts 2, but I just wanted to start with a nod towards the violence in the nation and a hunger that we want to do better as the church to the glory of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning um, or this evening, wherever we're tuning in. We just thank you for your word, which is given to us as a light and Jesus, may this word edify your church, your people that hunger to know you more. And may this time right now in the midst of COVID-19 be an opportunity for our faith to flourish. Jesus, we give honor and praise to you this day for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, our message today is entitled, This Jesus. Uh, from our text, Acts 2, the second part of Peter's great sermon. I'll just start with a question. Like, when was that time recently when you looked around in this COVID-19 reality and thought, I never saw this coming? When was that moment that you just looked around like, I, this almost feels like a scene from a movie? For me, it was simple, but recently I was at PCC shopping, grabbing some supplies, for a night of dinner and I looked around and I had my mask and I had my gloves and a guy walks by with the scuba mask and everybody is gloved and there's this fear and, and it just hit me this, wow, never would have seen this coming six months ago. And it is that thing when we can't see what the future holds, it can feel much like blindness. This text today, Peter says that in Christ we have assurance. But that's a tricky text for us in the midst of COVID-19. How can we have assurance when we can't see what's coming? How can we see this Jesus in a world that feels like blindness? Acts 2 says that we can be assured, or the message translation is we could have no doubt in Christ, this Jesus, our assurance. I think of that old time hymn, blessed assurance, that though blind from what we can't see with our eyes, that we can encounter a new vision for spirit for the season ahead, that assurance comes from faith. You know, the blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm not gonna sing it. Someone's like, you always sing in your sermons. Not today, I'm not singing it. But you know the, you know the hymn, this is my story. This is my song. It's incredible because who wrote that hymn, that hymn is 200 years old. Francis Jane Crosby wrote that over, you know, almost 200 years ago. A poorly trained doctor applied a salve onto her eyes when she was six weeks old, rendering her blind her entire life. Blind, but in Christ assured. 
blessed assurance. Or as Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so I ask you, Bethany, how will your faith flourish during COVID-19? How can you, in faith, believe that Christ is working when you can't see what's next? Peter says in Acts 2, it's this Jesus. Get to know this Jesus because God has raised this Jesus to life. And so Peter preaches his face off in Acts 2 to say, it's all about this Jesus. And he gives this message in a context where questions are abounding. Christ has ascended. The spirit has fallen. It's chaos. And, and it's important to know when the spirit falls, the spirit doesn't drop a map. The spirit doesn't drop plans for what's next. The spirit just drops presence. And that's enough to guide the church. And so I just say for us, Bethany, the spirit has got to be more prominent in our faiths in the season ahead. And so how do we encounter God's life saving spirit in order that our lives are different? How do we have faith when we can't see? How are we filled with the spirit of God for real transformation? How do we reorganize our lives around the power of Christ? Peter lays out three things for us to seek so that encounter becomes transformation. And we'll go through them here in the message. Christ-focused, biblical-based, hungry hope. Jesus doesn't want to just meet you. He wants to fill you and he wants to transform you. And so let's begin here. If you want to be transformed by hope, focus, Peter says, on Christ first. Have this Christ concentration that we need a relentless pursuit of Jesus. And if you look here at Acts 2, I'm preaching on the second part of Peter's Pentecost sermon, starting in verse 22, going to verse 36. The whole thing is this giant Jesus lesson. Starts in verse 32. This Jesus, verse 36, this Jesus is Lord and Messiah. And if you look through Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5, every time they get up to preach, it's essentially the same sermon. They, they say the same thing. They say, Jesus is powerful. We saw and witnessed his resurrection and our lives are radically transformed because of it. They just kept saying the same thing over and over. But here's what's important for us to know as we think about this, this text for us today, that ours is a cruciform faith. Our faith should take the form of the cross, but an empty cross. Because our God, Jesus Christ, was raised to life. And Peter says this in verse 24. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. The story isn't just of Jesus' good works. It was of his resurrection. Verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life and were witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and what you now hear. And Peter is quoting Psalm 110 and Psalm 16 and others. And he's saying there's this right handedness in our relationship with the father. There's a right handedness as we're in Christ that the Lord, if we sit at his right hand, he will not change his mind. And we have a risen king over every situation, a king who's been to hell and back. To, to defeat every force that comes against this. Psalm 118, the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. 
And so God is here to help. And so Peter would say in Acts 2, verse 25, because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Man, how good is that when life feels like it's shaking right now? Peter continues, my heart glad, tongue rejoice, body resting in hope because he will not abandon me. Verse 28, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Joy in the presence of God because of his power manifested in Jesus' ministry. In his resurrection and his spirit left to fill us, God anointed over every force which comes against us. I love that peace. We can be filled with joy. I don't know if you're like me, but it's so easy to get cut off from the power source that is in Christ Jesus. But this power source through the Holy Spirit is meant to change our lives, transform our destiny. We have to, as a church, discover that power that our faith was founded upon. Jesus said, I will dwell within you. It's a gift. His life longs to be inside of mine and we get to grow into that knowledge. John 14, Jesus said, anyone who loves me and obeys my teaching get ready for it he says my father will love them what a great promise and we will come to them and we will make our home with them Paul said it a different way but the same message in 2 Corinthians 13 5 do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you and so what is a Christ-centric concentration, hyper-focus on Jesus that we would see Jesus and we would crave his spirit within us Paul said in Romans 5, verse 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the spirit which has been given to us. And so maybe you're like me that at times you wonder, have we made faith something different? Our churches in this time must be different. It's kind of like in the Zoom call that so many of us spend our days on, going from gallery view that there's been so many competing interests. It's like, what page is Jesus on? On those big Zoom calls, like page one, page two. Oh, there he is, page three in the corner in the gallery view. I'm telling you, change the view to speaker view. Put Christ in the middle of your focus in this season. And when you do, Christ says, I'll give you my spirit inside of you. I want to give it as a gift because who you, fixate, who you fixate on will guide you in this time. Who you fixate on will guide you in this time. In my office at home, which is now like where I spend, you know, 12 hours a day, I have a painting hanging and it was a gift uh, from my parents when I turned 18 of my childhood hero, Steve Largent. And all the Seattle Seahawks fans are like, there's our boy, number 80. I had this painting. I was a football player myself, but I loved the way Largent played the game. And I loved his character in Christ. It hangs in my office. And recently we were doing some decluttering like so many of us are doing at home. And there's this, there's this other picture, this picture that my parents had also given me, a framed picture of when I played football. And I, this framed picture of me and I'm like, you know, where do you, what do you do with this? It's garbage, right? And I kind of put it in the discard pile. And my little guy who's seven, he's like, what are you doing with this one, Papa? I'm like, nothing, it's garbage. He said, not to me. Can I have it? Like, sure, didn't think much about it. I heard a little knocking and I went into his room later that afternoon and I saw the picture of me hanging above his desk. Who you fixate on will transform you in this season. 
I'll just say a word to parents in the room. Your family needs you in this time to focus on Christ and have a foundation of faith. And we as a church, may we see Jesus and crave his spirit. We need this focus on Christ. And then secondly, we need this biblical basis that we as a church need to rely on a knowledge of biblical truth. If you look at Acts 2, Peter preaches this sermon. It's, it's this Bible lesson. Like I actually geeked out and I did a word count. In all of this Pentecost sermon, there's 499 words that Peter preaches. 208 words, 42% of his sermon are just lifted out of the scriptures. Like Peter gets up, the spirit has fallen, and he basically just tells the whole story of scripture that ends in Christ. It's amazing to me. And God's love and Christ's resurrection and the spirit is a gift. It's all there. But it's like Peter is saying, know the story of the scriptures, the whole thing. It's all about Jesus, but the whole thing has value. You know, remember the story in the scriptures of the servant who, whose eyes were open and saw the, the hundreds that were already fighting for him. Or, or the, the walls falling as they walked around singing songs of worship and shouting. Or the seas parting. Or the slave girl saying, you're the God who sees me. Because this story of scripture is the greatest story ever told. And it all points at Christ. The whole book is about a story better than you could ever write on your own. And you will suffer. But if you're willing, you'll be transformed. And Jesus is the focus of the whole thing. And then go deeper than that. That it's not just like, yeah, hey, it's me and Jesus. That Jesus didn't just die for that, for you to not need anyone else. Do you really think God sent Jesus for, you, for us to just take it for granted? I mean, the, the life that, that Christ shed and then his resurrected life was meant to be costly. And the American church needs to suffer again and be reminded that pre-COVID-19, the church community for many was second to soccer or skiing or yard work or sleep. And post-COVID, it's like, this is even better. It's Jesus in my pajamas but the challenge is Peter preaches here to Jerusalem and then through the words of scripture to us today, this Jesus is more than comfort. He came for transformation. He came to, to move us, to make us uncomfortable in ways that we've accommodated sin, to move us into a posture of dependency into him and into others. And he left a new community and his desire is for his scriptures to be embodied in his people and his spirit to empower a new reign. And so may his spirit convict us of what former things in our lives, in our churches, in our discipleship need to pass away and lead us into a future where God will be glorified through the church in new ways. We need to be ready to be different. And we've got to see this time as an opportunity to grow. We've got to stop thinking somehow we've lost and we've got to be ready for the spirit to transform us. We as a church, we need to adapt or die. I mean, I was watching this old video uh, in the last week and the guy was, the speaker was talking about his Blackberry. He's like, take out your Blackberries and type. I mean, and our younger friends like lost me, no clue. But everyone over the age of about 35, like, yeah, I had one of those once. Ah, blockbuster video, perfect example, right? Remember Blockbuster? Yeah. 
like adapt or die. This is our time to pivot and, and embody new forms of worship and a new knowledge of the scriptures that transforms us. Like how can our lives not look like people filled with the spirit? We must crave to look like the vessels God meant for us to be. And the biblical basis of our faith that Christ is grounded upon says we have a story to tell. Recently, I got invited to, to be interviewed uh, on Deadliest Catch. Many of you don't watch the show, but I was surprised to find out that 3.5 million people watch Deadliest Catch. And, and Deadliest Catch was doing this segment on essential workers, physicians, you know, uh, nurses, pastors. And a friend of mine is a captain on the show. So I got on this Zoom call with the host, Mike Rowe, and he's asking all these questions about what the church is doing to be a blessing, how we're feeding people and how we're doing online church and everything that Bethany's doing. I was just kind of laying out there and he's like, wow. And then he said this, he's like, that is essential right now. He was really moved by it. And then he said this, and I hadn't prepared. I, I had asked the producers, I'm like, is there a script? Are there questions? They're like, nah, we'll figure it out. So then we're having this great conversation and Mike Rowe hosts he says, is there a Bible story you'd like to share with us? Well, I, I hadn't like prepared, but I was ready. Because every morning for me, I do this imperfectly. I miss days and whatnot, but I try to sit with the scriptures to say, Jesus, what do you have through your Holy Spirit for me today? And so he asked the question and I just shared a scripture on national television. And so I just want to ask you, like, do the people in your circle know that you're a Christ follower if you, in fact, are? And if you were asked to share words of scripture with somebody, would you have a response ready? I don't say it as a guilt trip. I just say it as an opportunity. About a week later, I talked to the producers of the show, and then they said this. They said, we're all still talking about your interview with Mike. They're not that interested in, in me necessarily or Bethany. They're hungry for something bigger than they can see with their eyes. They're hungry for Jesus. They're hungry for his hope. And that's our third point, that we're meant to embody people living out into this great sermon that Peter gives, a hungry hope. We ask for the spirit to fill us in order to transform us. Peter wraps up his, his sermon here with verse 36. This Jesus who got resurrected from the death is Lord and Messiah. And next week we'll get into the result that thousands of people are changed and they're cut to the core. But in the meantime, they're standing and listening to this fisherman challenge them. Why? Because they were curious and they were aware and they were humbled and they needed a more hopeful story. And so... Let's make it personal if we could. Like, hey, Scott, you know, the, 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 the walk down church history lane 2,000 years ago is interesting. But here in Seattle in 2020, it's not so easy. Let's make it personal. Where are we at in this story? We're not allowed to just sit on the 2,000-year-old sideline and say, well, that's how it was then. There is revelation through this Jesus who came to be Lord and Messiah with power and, and salvation over us. And our lives are meant to be different each and every day. 
And transformation comes from humility before this Jesus to fill us with his power. Really changed. Not just, you know, kind of whitewashing and going on with our lives. I'm talking really changed. Years ago, Heather and I were getting ready to sell a house and I was rushing around. There was that corner of my yard and anyone that's sold a house knows it never looks better than the day that you turn the keys over, right? Or the day you list it with the realtor. So, you know, we're going to make it look perfect and it's going to sell fast. And I go into the backyard and there's this horrible grass through beauty bark, you know, and I'm like, you know, it may take much too long to do the real work of transformation. I just, you know, take a weed eater, knock it to the ground, throw some fresh bark, it looks perfect. Here's the challenge. The house didn't sell for many months. A couple weeks later, I went out there and lo and behold, morning glory vine has taken over in the bark. It's much worse than before the weed eater. Real transformation doesn't look like that. We can park the weed eater. We need to rend our spirits, all of us to say, Jesus, make us different. Because those ready to be changed, this Jesus will honor and establish himself within you. We can be assured of that. That's what Peter's saying. You can be assured of this. And so this time in your life, as you wait for post-COVID, for, for a vaccine, for, for going back to school, for work, for when I can go to the park. I mean, we're all waiting. But this time can be a testimony. Peter's greatest sermon ever he just says, you can be assured of this. The life of the spirit is given to you as a gift to totally transform you. So when we wrap up our service today, I would love you to turn to whoever you're watching this sermon with. Like for us at our family, we do, we do church, we do breakfast, the little ones do art. We, and then we, at the end, we turn it off and just ask questions. So I have some questions in your sharing time with, with your roommates, with your kids, with you know, whoever you're digesting this message with. Talk with your people. Where are you at today in the story? Like 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. And so take stock of your personal discipleship. Is my heart fully turned over to being transformed by the Lord? Does my life look different than someone who doesn't call themselves a Christ follower? Is my life, do I have a cruciform life? Not behavior modification, but have I inhaled Christ's life deep within me? Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I'm not sure about you, but for me, and I'm doing this imperfectly, but I'm hungry and I'm hopeful that God would change me in this season, that God would wake me up as a husband, as a father, as a child of God, as a pastor, as a leader in this city, that he would change us as a gift of his spirit. I don't wanna look the same coming out of COVID. I'm hungry for more of the Lord Jesus and his spirit within. Well, how do we do that? Peter said, Christ-focused, biblical-based, hungry hope. That's what we're doing. Do not shrink back and just think we're going back to normal anytime soon. Hebrews 10, 38 warns of this, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. So may your faith flourish in this time. May you be changed completely by Christ. The Bible promises greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. 
And so if you are discouraged this morning, if you are beaten down, if you are anxious, you're not alone, but you have a power available through the Holy Spirit. And so open yourself up, hunger to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, a gift for anyone saying, I want my faith to flourish, to tap into the source of real strength, this Jesus and a spirit within. And so I'll ask you again, how do we have faith when we can't see? Just an encouragement, Bethany, that God transforms the dark spaces. This is our time for a new vision of him. May we look to Christ. May we open the scriptures. May we give our hearts over to him. May we be asked to be filled with the spirit. May we hunger for life change. May we see this Jesus, but Lord, we feel blind. We couldn't see this coming. Know that he's never left your side. Acts 2 promises this, verse 25, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Remember the song by Francis Crosby, though I'm blind, she would later say late in life, I'm deeply content. I am assured in my faith, not shaken us. God's holding us. He can see us when we can't see the future. Recently, I was sitting around with my kids and they were asking the story about when was the most scared you've ever been? This is like what you talk about with your 14 and 16 year old when they can't sleep. And we're sitting around talking, telling scary stories. When, when's the most scared you've ever been? And my son, who's now 14, he's like, oh, the most scared I've ever been? That's when you and I, Papa, when we, when we drove out to the woods to that cabin where you used to work, but it was in the middle of winter and it was pitch dark and the storm was blowing. And don't you remember the power went out and no one was there. It was the scariest thing ever. He was a little boy. That's how he remembers it. But when I remember that story, I remember it differently because I knew my son was scared because he couldn't see with his eyes. And I knew he was cold and frightened because we couldn't get a fire started in the, in the dark little cabin we were in. And I took him, he was just this little guy, this is many years ago. And I put him in my bed and I just stood by his side and I lit candles all around him. And I put my hand on him and I watched him fall to sleep couldn't see. He couldn't see anything. It's dark. It's scary. The father never left his side. He remembers being scared. I remember I was there every minute of that night. Never forget it. He's different now. He's 14. He needs me differently. He's an incredible kid. This is our story. This is our song that when we can't see in these seasons that feel very much like blindness, we have this Jesus coming alive inside of us. May we hunger to be transformed. May we believe that the Father has never left our side. May we ask in hungry hope for his spirit to break us and fill us and encourage us that the church would wake up and have a message for the world. Though you can't see with your eyes, this Jesus will change everything as our hope expands for his glory. That's our hope, this Jesus. 
Will you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this simple message on Acts 2. Thank you, Jesus, for your life and your death and your resurrection and the gift of your spirit and the fact that you comforted your disciples and you long to comfort us now. Jesus, it's dark and many of us are very scared. Our businesses struggling, our schools shuttered. When will we worship together again? We, we can't see. But Lord, this morning we declare you can see us through the darkness and you're holding us. Do a miracle for your glory in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world. That many years from now, people will look back at the pandemic as the time that our faith flourished. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your gift of love for us. And all God's people, no matter where they are, said with me, amen. Let's close and worship together.